0: Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, all you moms out there. And maybe out there, too, even um, online. Maybe you're a mom hanging out in your pajamas, getting breakfast in bed. We hope you're pampered today and that you feel blessed. If you're new here, if you're a new mom here or uh, online, we, again, want to welcome you and just say that we're honored to have you to join us this this morning. If you're looking for a church home, we certainly hope you would find one here. If God doesn't lead you to this church family, we certainly hope that you will find a church home in one of the great churches here in Sheridan that honors Jesus and his word. And uh, that would be our prayer for you. So, moms, what a blessing. What a blessing moms are to us. We all owe our moms a huge debt of gratitude. And we should be very thankful for all of the things that we have gotten from our moms. As a matter of fact, it was probably your mom who taught you the first lesson about your mortality. I brought you into this world. I can take you out, right, right. So we are here this morning and we wanna bless and we wanna celebrate our mothers this morning. Um, And everybody who's here, as a mom. We all have a mother. And, and, and so even science would tell us that, the, that, that each one of us here in our maternal DNA, that we have a common ancestor. And science would call her mitochondrial Eve, but we'll just call her Eve for our purposes, right? Because we know who she is. Um, so here we are, and we are just grateful. We also want to acknowledge and just say, that we really realize that this is not an easy day for everybody. This, is, this, this day also can be conflicting, and it can be a painful day for some. And, and some of us have lost mothers or children, or some have uh, longed to be mothers, and, and that has yet to, to manifest itself or, or happen in their lives. And, and so we, just <clears throat> we all just want to we, we just stand with anyone who's having any struggle with, with motherhood and we wanna just say that as a church family, that we, uh, we stand with you, we, um, we grieve with you, um, we care for you, we love you, we're praying for you, and it's our privilege to walk through this with you. Um, and so, we'll want to acknowledge and understand that mom is just a special grace. There's a special grace that just comes with mom that mom brings to us and brings to our lives. And, and moms are just this picture of, uh, of, of part of the characteristics of God. So to talk about moms, we have to talk about ladies, we have to talk about women, because to be a mom, you have to be a woman. And so we wanna look into this and and, and, and look at what God has done in this. And, and so uh, Genesis 2.18, Tells us this. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So a woman is God's crescendo of his symphony of creation. She's the crown of creation, she's the last thing that is created there. And, and so sometimes we look at this and we see this word and it says, A helper suitable for him, right? <clears throat> and then it just sounds like, man, it's not good for him to be alone, he's just a mess, all he's gonna do is get into trouble, let's get him an assistant, right? He's gonna need an assistant. That is so not the case. As a matter of fact, the reason that it's not good for man to be alone is because mankind, humanity, both male and female are, 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 are created to be a visible expression of the character of God to his creation. And it takes both to have that. Remember, he said, let us make them, we'll make them in our image. So God represents unity and diversity in the triune, in the Godhead, and and within our families and within uh, even male and female relationship, we represent diversity and unity. Differences, but yet strength. Different strength, but a common goal. And where it says a helper suitable for him, the, the Hebrew is, is, is um, azar kenegdo okay? And azar is a, a word that God uses for himself. 21 times it's used in the Old Testament. Eight times it's used as the idea of God coming and providing salvation or saving man, but it also comes from a root word that means strength. And, and so it's this picture of, of strength, it's, it's a picture that says that she comes and that she brings us strength and sh- that her strength combined with the strength that, that God has given to a man is really what, what really is meant to fuel us and operate us in this world today. It's the giftings that both bring that express the whole character and the nature of God to the world around us. And, and, and so it just isn't this idea that she's a helper. It's this idea too that, that she brings this this. this uh, this completeness to it. It, it. It's kind of like she's the man and woman are two wings on a bird, maybe, and 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 each wing is not identical. They're different, but they're very much the same at the same time, right? But that you need two of them to operate and to fly in that same manner. Otherwise, guys would just fly like this. We know it's the truth, right? That's all we would do we we'll just fly like this. We need that other side to, to balance us out. And this is this picture of harmony. Uh, this idea, ezer, this word ezer, it's a word that was used as a military term that when another army would come in and rescue an army that was in need of help, kind of a thing, that, that it would be an ezer that would come. It was named this thing. And so what a privilege and what an honor that God has taken the name and used it to express to uh, what the, the nature of what a woman would be, it's also an expression of who he calls himself to be, right? And so, so this is the picture, and this is the picture really of how the church needs to run. The church needs to understand that 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 God did not create a hierarchy of man up here and woman down here. Man created both to be the expression of his nature with the creation into the creation around him, and so. So the other thing too is this other word, this other word that we have, this connecto, it's the idea of like a mirror image. It means the same as, but different. It means, and so when we live into this thing, we find our right place, we find our right balance, we find our right step in this. Later on it says, "'But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable "'for him, so the Lord caused a deep sleep "'to fall upon the man and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from man and brought her to the man. Then the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is the fabric of society that God has given us in the family. Right. And so, interesting note, it says that she was taken from, from Adam's rib, right? She wasn't taken from his head that he would be above her, nor from his feet that she would be below her, but from his rib, where she would be exactly beside him. And this is the picture of the harmony that God has caused and, and, and that God has has intended, and the world is maligned and changed and twisted and taken to some different spots. So I just wanted to clarify that. First Corinthians eleven twelve 12, the great equalizer, for as the woman originated from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God, right? So woman comes from man, but man can't hold that over her because all men from that point come from woman. It's this, it's this equalizer, but we remember that all of these things come from God. So the Bible talks a lot about many different things um, as we deal with this. One thing I love about the Bible is it always just stays in truth. When we struggle and we're, 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 we're grieving, maybe a mom who has lost a child, we realize that Eve was the first mom to conceive, have a child, and lose that child, right? When we deal with infertility issues and stuff, we see, we see uh, people in the Bible, we see Sarah, we see Rachel, we see Hannah, all struggling with that in that time, longing to be mothers and it just not being their time. Until God opened that door, and so again, we just see our comfort and our support in God's word. let's look at this too, and we'll see some more. I want to show some a few stories, a few events from the Bible that uh, kind of highlight this this uh, picture of moms and what they do. The first one is a, is a story of Moses and and how he uh, had his origins there, and it says now a woman from the house now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got him a papyrus basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. So this is a mom who who remember, if you if you look back in the story, you'll see that that there's that the Egyptians had told the midwives that that whenever there are male children that are born to the Hebrews, that you, you need to, you know, you need to snuff them out, you need to get rid of them. And um and, and, and here is is Moses' mother, and she's given birth to him and she's hidden him away. And she's cared for him as long as she possibly can, could, until it was gonna be impossible for her to continue. To hide him. And so then she comes up with this plan. And I'm sure that this isn't just an off-the-wall plan. She understands what's going on, that Pharaoh's daughter will be will will be there, and she makes a little boat and she sends him off and sends his sister to watch, right? And we know the story. What happens is that Pharaoh's daughter comes and 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 sees the, the, the this little baby, and what a picture of an adoptive mom heart, right? Because Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on him, and she takes Moses in, and then the sister comes up and says, hey, would you happen to need a, a Hebrew woman to, to nurse that baby? And she said, well, hey, sure would. Goes back and gets mom, and then her, the mom gets to, to, uh, to nurse Moses for the time that he's nursed, and then takes him to the house of Pharaoh, where he is raised in Pharaoh's household. And, and then the rest of the story, he leads people's God, God's people out of captivity. Um, but what a mom heart. Next one I want to show you is in First Kings, and the background of this is that two, two women have given birth. One has lost her child, and one has not, and, and both are claiming uh, to be the mom of the same baby. So Solomon, the wisest guy in the world, said, well, get me a sword, because they brought it before him. And, and he says, so they brought the sword to, uh, before the king, and the king said, well, cut the living child in two um, and give half to one and half to the other. But the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son. And she said, pardon me, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other woman was saying, he shall be neither mine nor yours, cut him. Then the king replied, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother, right? Solomon recognized the mom heart, the heart that said, you know what? This is um, not about me. This is uh, just this selfless love that moms have. Whatever it takes to preserve the life of my son, even if I have to give up my role and my position as mother and give it over, it'd be better to do that than to lose my child. And this is this picture of this, this mom heart, this sacrificial love that you moms have shown and taught us. Galatians 4.4 tells us this, it says that, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What, a, what an amazing thing that, that God chose to enter into his creation through his creation. What, a, what an amazing thing that Jesus chose to come into this world and be the son of a mom. And, and, to, and to subject himself under that and to be raised by a mother. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what that must have been like for her? You know, the, the, she was very young. She, she was 14, 15 years old maybe. She's been visited by an angel and the angel tells her, you're gonna, you're gonna conceive by the Holy Spirit and you're gonna carry and give birth to the savior of humanity. You're gonna, you're gonna give birth to the Messiah. What, a, what an amazing, I mean, and, and then when it started to get real, you know, because we can hear things like that. But for her, when it started to get real and she started to realize, you know what, I'm I'm really going to have this baby. And knowing full well that legally under the law, she could be stoned. She could be stoned to death for this. Imagine the hard conversations with friends and family, with her dad, trying to explain and talk about what was going on. Imagine the the looks within the community and how she was probably ostracized and kind of pushed away and people looked at her and comments under the breath. It's never comfortable to be misunderstood, is it? It's not comfortable to be ostracized. But she was, she was faithful and she, she believed that, that what, what God had told her, what the, what the angel had told her would, would come. And so she got To give birth to the Savior of the world. And she really got to parent Jesus. You know? I'm sure it was a pretty good deal, right? I mean, it's, it's, it was the, I guess it was the straight shot we always hope it'll be, right? You know, it's Jesus, right? I mean, he doesn't sin, so so parenting Jesus must have been pretty good, you know? Straight shot. Rest of us were like, you know, get back over there. Oh, 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 back over here. This is parenting, right? Parenting is not a straight shot. If you didn't know that, it's not a straight shot, okay? It's this, it's back and forth. But with Jesus, it was probably a pretty straight shot. I heard a comedian, he was talking about that. He was like, imagine being James, Jesus' brother. It's no wonder he didn't believe, right? Right, it's like, everybody's always like, mom's like, why can't you be more like Jesus? (laughs) Right? Oh yeah, he's perfect. But Mary really did. She poured her life into Jesus's life, and it made a difference. It really did. The Bible says that he learned he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with men, and Mary had a role in all of that. What a cool thing. Another one, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is this, and um, it's, about, uh, it's about a Gentile woman that has an interaction with Jesus, and it, and it says... Uh, Mark 7, 24 through 29 says, Now Jesus got up and he went from there to that region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know about it. And yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician descent. And she repeatedly asked him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. So this is a Gentile woman, and the Jews called the Gentiles dogs. But the word that the Jewish people used for... uh, uh, for a dog in this was like, you're, a, you're like a wild cur dog. You're, like a, you're like a wild stray. That's what they called the Gentiles because they didn't have the law and they didn't live under the law. But Jesus doesn't call her that actually. So when he starts calling her a dog, we'll, we'll clarify this, but, but it says that she had heard about him, that she came to know about him. That as a matter of fact, uh, in, a, in another uh, one of the gospels, it says that she came saying, son of David which is the under, would have been the understood uh, title of the Messiah. What she's saying is that I know who you are, and I know the condition of my child. I know where my child is at, and I know that you are the solution to her problems, and I am going to continue to ask you and ask you and ask you. Even the disciples were like, look, could you just get rid of her? Can you just send her away? And she was like, you're, you're the answer. And, and Jesus, when he says this to her, he says... It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The, the word that he uses is a different word and it kind of means like a little pet puppy that, that the kids might have. Now you gotta understand, Jewish culture wasn't a canine culture like ours. They didn't really love dogs like we do. But anyway, so he, so he says, look, you know, he says, it's just not good. I've come first to the people of the Jewish people, the people of Israel. That's who I've come first and foremost to. And it's not good for me to take my focus off of that ministry and and just begin to focus on yours. But she says, you know what, I know who you are. And here's what I know about you, is that even the crumbs that I could get off of your table would be more than enough to satisfy the problem that's in front of me. And this mom with just her persistent mom heart, pushing in, pushing in, see, she refused to be offended too. See, she could have had the opportunity to be like, oh, well then, fine, I'm out of here. No, but you see, her child and the condition of her child was more important to her than the possibility of her own offense. And she pushed in and she pushed into Jesus and Jesus rewarded her faith and said, go, the demon has come out of your daughter. So you moms teach us so many of the characteristics of God. For one thing, you're generous. Thank you, moms, for how generous you are. Generous with your time, with your things, just with, um, with your love, with grace, with all of the things that you're so generous to us with. 1 Timothy 6.18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Moms, thank you for teaching us how to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9.6, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Moms, we know that you have sown generously and it's our deep prayer that you would also reap generously. Thank you moms for teaching us about generosity. Thank you for encouraging us. There's nobody who's encouraged us like our moms believed in us, believed in every little dream that we had, everything that we, that we stood for, just got behind us and supported us and loved us and encouraged us. Thank you, moms, for being so encouraging. Thank you, mom, for modeling encouragement to us. Romans fifteen five. now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are doing. Thank you for doing that, moms. Thank you for building us up. Thank you for encouraging us. And it's our deep prayer that you too would be encouraged, that you would know the high position that you have and the blessing that you've been. You're nurturing and comforting, right? When we need nurtured and comforted, who do we go to? We go to mom. We go to the one who's the best at nurturing and comforting. Isaiah 66, 13, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Again, God is now taking taking verbiage that is uh, used for himself. He uses it for himself, and he compares himself to a mother. And he says, this is the kind of comfort that I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring the kind of comfort that you understand and know the kind of comfort that a mom brings. Thanks moms for being nurturing and comforting and not just leaving us to our dads. (sighs) You're gathering. Moms are always gathering, aren't you? You're like, come on, get over here. Come on, where's Jimmy, where's that? Come on, over here. Over here, come on, it's time for lunch, time for dinner, gathering us up, time for a picture, right? (laughs) Always gathering us, time to go to church. Moms, you're gathering, and this is the heart of God. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who have been sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her young under her wings and you were unwilling. What a picture of the heart of Jesus who says, this was my heart, was to gather like a mother, under the wings, comfort, protect, guard. He wanted to do that for all of us. And he compares himself to a hen, a mother who, and just that mothering instinct. Thanks, moms, for gathering us, or else we'd be so scattered, we wouldn't know what to do. You're healing, right? When you skin your knee, where do you go? You go to mom, right? Because you know dad's gonna be like, rub some dirt on it, you're fine, right? But mom is gonna help. Even getting to mom seems to start the healing process in that, right? Just arriving there at mom before anything else happens. Thanks moms for being so healing and not just physically healing, but mom, you're the one who so many times we've went to and we've poured our hearts out when we've been broken hearted, when things haven't went our way, when, when, when our dreams have been dashed, you're the one who's always healing. But the crowds were aware of this and followed him and he welcomed them and began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Thank you that your heart matches the heart of God, that God's heart is to heal us up, to nurture us, to comfort us, to heal us up, and that shows itself, it's best expressed in the heart of our moms. Serving, moms, you're always serving. You're always doing stuff, you're always helping. You're always jumping in. Thank you for teaching us how to serve and what that looks like. Thank you for modeling service to us. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks, moms, for serving, for, for showing us what it looks like even to serve. You know, my dad, whenever he'd be sitting there on the TV, and this was this was before uh, before we had remotes. Some of you'll remember this, other like, what? But my dad would always sit there and he would say, while you're up, I was sitting there too. He'd be like, hey, while you're up, change the channel. Thanks, moms, for teaching us how to serve. You're forgiving. You've forgiven us. The reality of us is that we have sorry. We've all hurt our moms. We've all done things that have been hurtful, that, that haven't been right. And we are so grateful that you have modeled for us forgiveness. You've shown us what forgiveness looks like. You've demonstrated it to us time and time and time again. And without it, we would know a whole lot less about forgiveness. Thank you for modeling and showing us forgiveness that we might know what the forgiveness of God looks like. Luke 177, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Moms, you're a reflection of the character of God. You are made in his image. You are a blessing to us. I wanna to read to you some, a few things about uh, some moms in history. Mary Ball Washington was the mother of America's first president, George Washington. Her husband died when George Washington was 10 years old. So Mary raised George and her other children as a single mother. She relied on the Lord to do so. She was very committed to prayer and would often go to a particular spot she had to quietly pray to God for her children. George Washington is even credited with saying, All that I am, I owe to my mother. Sojourner Truth, born Isabella Bomfrey, escaped slavery with her infant daughter. Afterwards, she went to court to get her son back, and amazingly, she won her case. She went on to become an advocate, not only for her children, but for African-Americans who were suffering in slavery, as well as for women who often faced discrimination. She took the name Sojourner Truth because she believed God was leading her on a journey, testifying the hope that was in her. While you've probably all heard of Billy Graham and his son Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's mother, Morrow Coffee Graham was a huge influence in making the Graham family what we know them as today. Billy Graham was said that no one influenced him more for the Lord than his mother. Morrow Graham regularly gathered her family for Bible study and prayer, and she and her husband would pray for Billy every morning. Although Mother Teresa was not a mother in the biological sense, she was certainly a mother to thousands in a spiritual sense. Her commitment to missionary work among the poorest in India is a wonderful example of caring for the least of these and nurturing those in need in the name of the Lord both of which are some of the greatest motherhood traits. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary with her husband, Jim Elliot, to a remote tribe of Indians in Ecuador. Her husband, along with four other missionaries, were killed on the mission field by those they came to evangelize. Elizabeth was left with her 10-month-old daughter, Valerie. Instead of giving up and going home, however, Elizabeth stayed on the mission field with her daughter and through her perseverance, God opened a door for many people of this hostile tribe, To come to faith. Elizabeth went on to write many noteworthy books on the Christian life, especially ones about purity and womanhood. In 2 Timothy 1.5, there's an admonition to Timothy about his faith, that his faith came from Eunice and Lois, his mother and his grandmother, and what an influence that they had been in his life. I saw uh, that um, there's a quote from a, it's an old Spanish proverb, um, and it says this. It says, an ounce of mom is worth a a pound of clergy. So thanks, moms. You are a blessing, and it is our hope that you feel blessed today. And then now, too, I'll just close it out with a glimpse of why we're grateful and maybe a little bit of what things might look like Without you, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> the, there would be a lot less nurture and, and comfort. Um, we just wouldn't be the same. We, we would <laughs> We might be a little anxiety- ridden and, 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 and have a few phobias. I, I, yeah, slides, things like that. Um, yeah, shopping, shopping looked really different, right? I know when I was a single dad, my poor kids were raised on um, Hamburger Helper and frozen waffles. Trips to the zoo look a little different. What would we do without you, moms? You're a blessing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the moms. We thank you for all the mom hearts in here. And Lord, we pray that you would heal any brokenness, Lord, any place in us that, that, that just struggles with this day, any place of pain, any place of loss. Lord, we pray that you would minister into that, that you would speak into that, that Lord, you would help us, that you would heal us, that you would exhibit those comforting, nurturing, healing um, attributes in, in our own lives, and Lord, we pray that this day we would recognize just the 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 power and the blessing and the and the position of moms. That we would honor our moms, and that we would uh, we would hold high the position of mom. We would recognize it for what it is, and we would recognize our ladies around us for the power that they have for the blessing that they are for the for how that they they round this whole thing out and they bring it into a place of oneness. We thank you for the balance of how you've designed things, Lord, and we thank you that you've brought us here this day that we can worship, that we can love our moms, that we can uh worship you and that we can thank you. We thank you, Lord, that one day that the great promises is, is that you'll restore all things and that every place of brokenness and loss and struggle that we have, Lord, that you'll make those things right. And Lord, that's our great hope. That's the hope and the thing that we hold on to, and that's the perspective that we live our lives today in. And so, Lord, we just pray that you go with us, that you fill us with your spirit this day, that as we go out, that we would love others well, that we would exhibit those characteristics, that we would show the world the loving God that you are. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.